Good morning, City Church. How's everybody doing today? Thank you for joining us in the room. Thank you for joining us online. Those are my parents there in that video. They pastored here at the City Church 20 years uh, before I did, been leading the last 13 years. And you remember last week we had Father's Day? Do you remember my dad's list, what I called it? Do you remember? It's very memorable. Dr. Coulter's kick butt guide to good fatherhood. So I got in trouble after the service. He's like, I didn't train you to say butt in church. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, at least I didn't read the King James when it talked about donkeys. Welcome to week four of Legacy. We are talking all about Legacy this month and excited about the Legacy that we have as part of the church. It's just an amazing thing that we are here in 2021 uh, from the upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, 120 people praying, the Holy Spirit fell, the church age started, and it's a miracle that we are here. It's a miracle that the church has existed and the message of Jesus has persisted. And what we want to do is we want to continue that legacy. It's been entrusted to us as part of the church, and we are responsible for the message of Jesus, as as we have been discussing each week um, in this series. Before we got here as the church, somebody sacrificed, somebody served, somebody gave, somebody prayed, somebody wrestled through their faith so we could be here. Will we do the same? Will we prioritize our faith in God like the previous generations so that we can come and we can gather and we can worship and we can have a relationship with God through Jesus? Or will we not be as intense as them? Or will we give less than them? Or will we pray less than them? Or will we be less intentional about our faith and just kind of have the church dissipate? As I said previously in this series, it's always sad for me as I drive around, you know, small town Ontario. There's a bunch of churches that used to be church buildings that aren't churches anymore. And I always think to myself, what happened? That there is no legacy. There's no generation follow-up. Somebody started this church. Somebody built this church. Somebody gave so it could be here, and now it's a community center. And, you know, thank God for community centers. Those, Those are great. But we need churches. We need more churches in Canada. We don't need churches dying out. And so every generation needs to see themselves as we are receiving a legacy. We have received a legacy, but then we are also creating a legacy. As we've talked about in the the first three weeks of these series, is God's intention is generations, not just a generation. Not that we would just know God, but generations would follow us. That we can do twice as much as the generations that have gone before us, not because we're twice as good, but because they have set us up for success. They have provided a foundation for us by preaching the gospel, by sharing Jesus, so we could be here. And then we talked about Jesus is building the church, and I want to do the thing that Jesus is doing. If he's building the church, I want to build the church alongside Jesus. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to get offended. I don't want to get hurt. Think, well, I'm opting out of church. There's no, no, Jesus is not giving us a pass just because church is hard in 2020. I don't get along with some of the people at church. He's building the church. The church is the gathering. It's the, it's the place. It's the called out ones. It's the us. It's the we. This is why it's so, and see, we get to be back in the room right now. And 
And, you know, if you're watching us online, you need to make plans to get back in the room because it's so great to worship with our brothers and sisters, with the family of God. Something is different when we gather. That's why God has called the church, so we would be together. We would be this different family in the context of culture, that we would be loving each other. Why would we be loving each other? It's not because we all think exactly the same way. It's not because we look all the same way. It's because our Savior is Jesus, and he has called us the family of God. This is the calling that the church has, to be this unique community of faith for all times. Will we continue to perpetuate the legacy of the church? Last week, we talked about fathers and family and how important it is family is this, this foundational piece of the church. The church is a family for your family. That we as fathers have a responsibility to train up our children in the nurture and admission of the Lord. And I give you ten great things from a great father in our midst. And one of the other things that we are doing with the Legacy Series that we are receiving something called the Legacy Offering. You guys have been giving great, but let's give extra big today in the legacy offering. And as I've been saying, this is over and above our regular tithes and offerings. And this legacy offering has four specific purposes uh, that we are doing. We just want to create an impact with our generosity. And there's four things that we're going to be doing. Number one, we're going to be helping plant churches and helping strengthen existing churches in Canada. And we have that opportunity because of the size of our church, because of what my parents did before we got here. And they were always generous as pastors to help other pastors. And we have the same opportunity to help other pastors and and worship teams and serving teams. And so we're going to be blessing other churches, giving to other churches and their building programs. Because we want other churches to flourish in Canada. Number two, we're going to be doing local good works. Uh, feeding people in our city, just doing good things in our region. We're going to be, uh, number three, we're going to be giving to international missions that are preaching and doing good things in the name of Jesus. And finally, number four, we're just going to be investing into our church building. We've got some areas that we need to upkeep and change and renovate. And so those are the four areas uh, that the legacy offering is going towards. So if you haven't given a legacy offering, offering. Um, We're going to make it available still for a little while online. If you're giving online where it says tithes and offerings, if you click that, there's a little pull-down menu that says legacy offering. You can get there. If you're in the building, we have offering envelopes at the giving kiosk. You can give there. So will you take the challenge to give in the legacy offering? All right. Judges chapter 2. Here is the difficulty for every generation. Judges chapter 2, verse 10, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Something happened. There was a gap. There was a disconnect. And this could happen at any time if we're not careful, if we're not thoughtful, if we're not strategizing for the next generation. So we don't want to do that. Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Faith, putting our faith in Jesus, the great commission, and love, the great commandment. We have been entrusted with preaching the gospel. And then we have the calling to be this community of love faith, and love. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, 
guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Something has been given to us. There's a deposit in us. So we need to guard that and know that it's important so that we can pass it on to the next generation, that we can create a legacy. And when we think about the idea of legacy, what message is our legacy? Now, as I, I've grown up in church, you know, we've uh, emphasized different doctrines and different teachings over the years. Some things got lost, and then it got reemphasized. And then certain pastors or certain ministers or certain TV people, they'll emphasize one doctrine. And then one, sometimes those singular doctrines become our favorite doctrine. And then sometimes we go too far with certain doctrines and different things like that. But sometimes we get confused about what our message actually is. What is the core message of the church? Now, one pastor that I admire, uh, you know, on his online bio, I'm not sure where it was exactly, but he, you know, you kind of put your location, and he's American, and he wrote on there, I live in a state of grace. And when we think about our relationship with God, what makes Christianity unique amongst all the world religions is this idea of the gospel, is this idea of the grace that God has provided for us. And when we think about all of the, the provision that God has, has for us, because God has provision for every area of our life. If we need uh, spiritual forgiveness, we know that we can go to God for forgiveness. If we need help in our relationship, we know that we can go to God and he will give us provision. If we need help in our finances, we know that God is our provider. If we are sick in our bodies, we know that God is a healer. That he has provided all of these things that he has given us great and precious promises. And they are yes and amen in Christ. Sometimes we forget the in Christ part. Sometimes we think, I'm such a good Christian. God is just going to give me stuff. I'm a pastor and I serve at church. God will just give me stuff based on that. We get nothing from God based on how good we are because we really aren't that good. The scripture tells us that our righteousness, the righteousness that we can produce is like filthy rags. But all that we have from God comes because we are in Christ. This is the gospel. This is the good news message that is the church's legacy. Not that all of these other systematic teachings of doctrine are important, but our core message, the starting place, is what God has provided for us in Christ. The power of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, I can truly say that now at this time in my life. When I was younger, there, I had a lot going on. You know, growing up as a, a PK, my dad is a pastor, and different church experiences, and we, you know, a lot of different things. Anyway, and, and sometimes you don't like the church. Anybody grew up in church, you didn't like the church? Okay, the rest of your line. Um, but we struggled Sometimes with the church, and when we look back at the church, what was our struggle with the church? It was the human beings at church, right? It wasn't actually the gospel message, because a lot of times we didn't even understand the gospel. We're like, we're preaching the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the good news? What is the good news? But I am fully convinced. I am so confident in the gospel. 
And I know how, if we look at it and think about it, how it could outwork, and it could change our lives, it can change our families, it could change our communities, it could change the nation, the power of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The message of the gospel is for everyone. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, and that's just one way of saying everybody. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel, the good news about Jesus. And it talks about faith, that we would put our trust in the gospel. And in other words, and in simple terms, we're not putting faith in ourselves. We're not putting faith in politicians. We're not putting our faith in other humans. We're not putting our faith in philosophies of the world. We're putting our faith in trust in God based on who Jesus is and what he's done. And Paul said this, without the resurrection, then we are most hopeless. But we look at the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the sinless life of Jesus, and then his death and resurrection. And all of that actually means something, that we would put our faith in the the message, in the totality of what God has accomplished through Jesus. I'm putting my faith in that. I, I trust God. This is how it's revealed to us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, talking about Jesus. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in, in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Did you know Jesus pre- preached the gospel? He preached the good news about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the place of God's rule place where God's in charge. And do you know where God wants to be in charge? It's almost like Canada. Yep. Definitely the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely my spouse. God needs to be in charge of my spouse. But you don't have jurisdiction over any of those people. I know you want to. I know you want to control all people for all times. But whose heart do you have control over? You get get one guess. Your own. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the one kingdom that we have charge over is our own heart. Jesus came preaching the place of God's rule that we would choose to give up rulership on our own heart and we would yield, we will humble ourselves, we would surrender to God. This is what Jesus came and he preached. The gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Man, there is good things in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is the place of God's rule. It's not the place of least commitment. It's not that, okay, God, you know, I I have an agreement for you. I have a negotiation for you. If I go to church or if I watch church twice a month, will you then this for me? 
We're, we're not trying to, okay, God, you're allowed to speak into this area of my life. You know, I don't want to go to hell. So that part I'm good with. That eternity part with you, I'm down. But I don't, I don't want you to mess with my finances. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to have to, you know, be doing the legacy offering. And I know the pastor's challenging me. And I don't want the retired pastor to outgive me. But God, just leave me alone about my finances. But the place of God's rule is the centerpiece of your heart. It is your life. This is the message of the gospel. See, when we think about who God is, you don't want God as your personal assistant, as your girlfriend. God, go get, get this for me. Thanks. Write the, God, write this down. You, you, you ready? I need you to get the, I need you to get this job for me. I need you to get this, you know, I'm not married yet, God. I need you to go and get me a spouse. Thanks. These are all good things. But does God have our heart? That's the number one thing that we need to discuss. Because in the kingdom, in the place of God's rule, is all of these wonderful things. Is a relationship with God. Is God's blessings. Yes and amen to all his promises. This is what Jesus preached the gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The good news about the kingdom of God. Now, this term, the gospel, when we think about what it is, you know, what it means now and what it meant then, the gospel, when, it, when a new Caesar would come into power, you know, their old Caesar would die and different things would happen or somebody would get murdered and there'd be a new Caesar. And what would come out, there would be a declaration from the new Caesar, and it was called his gospel. And what it meant was the Caesar, okay, now that this Caesar is in charge, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be peace in our nation, and you're going to get to eat this much more, and blah, 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 because this Caesar is in charge. Jesus said, here's the gospel of God, not man. This is the big separating the gospel of God. It's God's kingdom gospel. The place of God's rule. And Jesus said, go into the world and proclaim this message. That your life is better for now and for eternity when we yield it to God. When you stop trying to do it on your own, when you stop trying to figure it out on your own, when you stop trying to be religious enough and be moral enough to be good enough for God, that this is the message that we are proclaiming. God has actually done something for us. See, the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. It's about something that is. It's about something that God has provided for you and me. It's not here, do this and do this and do this and do this and do this, and then you'll be in the kingdom. God has made provision, and then he invites you in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. See, the gospel is the thing that saves us. It saved us for eternity, but it is the thing that will save our thinking in this crazy world. 
with crazy thinking and crazy philosophy. Let's go back to the gospel. Because you understand that the news is training you a way to think. And the commercials are training you a way to think. And here's how the good people think in our society in Canada in 2021. And here's how the bad people think that you can't be one of the bad people. You understand you're getting trained. That your young people are getting trained. But here the gospel is the thing that continually is saving us if we understand what it is. And we are yielding ourselves to the kingdom of God, to the place of God's rule. See, I'm not looking to culture, I'm not looking to contemporary culture for answers. Why? Because it's contemporary. Because it's right now. And I'm old enough at this point in my life that we've been through about three or four of these. And this is how you need to think. This is how you should think. And we're going to put it on the news and then we're going to put it in our TV shows. And then those things... From 30, 40 years ago, you can't even play them anymore because contemporary culture, the culture that it is right now, says we can't actually say those things. And the culture that we're living in right now, 20 to 30 years from now, is going to be passe and it's going to sound old-fashioned and our clothes are going to look irrelevant. And that's temporary, contemporary, but there is something that is There are ways that are eternal, and they are God's ways. And they come from the place of God's rule, the place of God's kingdom, and it is the thing that saves us. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, we've got to hold on to the gospel, not let it go. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That is the gospel message. There is the technicality of the gospel message. It is how God has provided for us a relationship with himself. It's the good news that it has been done for us. And it's so easy to let that go. I've had so many conversations as a pastor over the years with people who are struggling in their life right now. And they, they want what they want to do is they want to go on a witch hunt about their lives. And don't get me wrong, it's better to live moral than it is immoral. But you don't get your prayers answered because you're moral. You get your prayers answered because of Jesus, and Jesus alone. And it is all by the grace that comes from God's kingdom, that we would depend on it, that I'm in a relationship with him, that because I have been given this wonderful gift as a relationship with God, that I have access to God. From that place, I choose to live out a clean life, not trying to live out a clean life so that I can get something from God that's in reverse. Now again, I'm not advocating.
advocating for sin. You shouldn't sin. Sin messes up your life, messes up other people's lives. You already get that. But you don't get stuff from God because you're good. Because you're not that good. Neither am I. We're not depending on our own goodness. The gospel is depending on what Jesus did. This is the message. This is the, 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 the centerpiece of our message. That all of the goodness of God we experience, all of the relationship we experience with God comes from the gospel. God accomplished something for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And those are some good thoughts right there. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. The stumbling block to the Jews, the folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Comparing and contrasting. Foolishness and wisdom. See, there's man's ways, and then there's God's ways. See, within the kingdom of God, the way up is down. And for the world... That's foolishness. No, no, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fight the corporate. I gotta go. I gotta strive in the way, and I gotta step on other people, and I gotta get there. Jesus said, "I came to serve, not to be served." God showed up in the flesh, and these things look like foolishness to the world, weakness and strength. Jesus, born in a manger, not at a palace. dies a shameful death on the cross. All of these things look like foolishness to the world. The Jews wanted a king. They wanted a physical kingdom. And again, the kingdom that God was looking for was the kingdom that's on the inside of you. Having Jesus sit on the throne of your heart. He wants the, all of the territory in your heart. For the Greeks, for the philosophers, that the shameful death, it's not sophisticated enough. It's not philosophically confusing enough. It's so simple that God accomplished it for us. See, and God bypassed both of those ditches of human thinking and provided salvation for man. God did it. God provided it. We're like, we want it to be this way, and we want it to be this way, and we want the world to be this way. This is, this is, nothing has changed. We're like, oh, the Bible is such an old document, but this is exactly how people are right now. God provides it. There, listen, there is no new solution coming out of the universities for sinful mankind. are not going to pass hate law.
laws that will stop people from hating other people. You can't do it. But God can change a heart. Amen. I just know how we're going to fix Canada. We're just going to get people to not say hateful things. We are not, that's not going to fix the human heart, friends. But God can. And if we arrogantly think, I can fix it. I know, I'll create a new law. Do you understand? That's what the whole Old Testament is. More laws don't work. We all need grace. about that, that that is the truth. See, the contemporary wisdom of the world is, is the wisdom of coercion. This is the way you need to think. The wisdom of God says, I provide this for you, and whosoever will can come. God's not forcing you. He's not forcing anybody, but he has provided everything that everybody needs. The gospel story also, and it connects at the heart of our humanity. See, we look at the cross, we see suffering. And we understand that we suffer. We go through difficulties. This is the story of the, the scripture. That the world isn't how God intended, and sin corrupts the world, and therefore man suffers. So when we look at, at suffering, we're like, yeah, I get that. That is the thing that we all have in common around the world. And this is why Jesus didn't sit on the throne in a palace. He died on the cross. Because we would look at the palace and be like, can look at the cross and we're like, yeah, I get it. This is a struggle sometimes. And our family members die. And life is hard. And the Savior came and identified with us. And how did he do it? He loved sacrificially. And that is the thing that connects at our heart at an existential level, it is how we make movies, and I drive my kids crazy with this. But the hero always takes the blame in the good movies. That's the gospel. And it's there for us to see, and then we cry and we look at it, and we're like, that's actually the gospel message. It's woven so deeply in our existence that we make it into movies. We don't even know it. Tell us our prayer. Colossians 1, a couple more verses. I'm just going a little bit longer because we're ending up the series. But these are all good verses. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, we're going to continue in the faith. Faith in who? Faith in God. Let's continue in faith in God. Let's not look out at secularism and think they've got it better. It's like, hmm, look at these philosophies today. No, 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 no. Let's continue with faith in God. There are no man-made solutions coming that are going to make this better, friends. 
Look at history. Learn it from a history book. Humans thought they had it all fixed 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. And it ends in the exact same place every time. But let's continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting the hope of the gospel that you heard. Let's keep our faith in the gospel, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, under heaven, which I, Paul, became story this morning. We're found in Luke chapter 15. This last story, very famous story. Now, all of what I have given you so far and talked about is a biblical understanding of what the gospel is and, and how it actually took place that Jesus lived a sinless life, died on the cross, God raised him from the dead, and then because of all of that, in the spirit realm, in the realm God dwells, God has provided something for us. Now, sometimes, though, that discussion can be a hard one to understand. But the way Jesus taught, he taught with parables and he taught with stories. And I want you to listen to a story that Jesus teaches us. And he's going to teach us about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is. And if you're honest with yourself today, you'll see yourself in this story. So are you in story mode now? This is a bedtime story, so don't you to put away your Bibles. I want you to listen to a story that I'm going to tell. So Jesus here in, in Luke 15, verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now the scripture says that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? You should be. Because we, we look out in the world and we're like, you know, those, those people, those people are the worst sinners. Do you understand that's a problem? Because those people are just like you and me. Those people like, no, no, I don't want to sin like them. No, they, they sin differently than you. But there's no way for you and I to create a righteous relationship with God on our own. It only comes from the gospel, the good news story, the declaration about the kingdom of God. So here, Jesus has a mixed group. He's got the tax collectors and the sinners, two different categories of the worst sinners that you could think of. And then he's got the Pharisees, the religious people, the us. He's got a group there that Jesus, you know, that these people are hanging out with Jesus, and the religious people are like, I don't like that Jesus is hanging out with these people. But you understand that Jesus is for all of the people, and that all of the people need a Savior. That all of the people need the kingdom of God. God loves all of the people. So here is this group that Jesus tells two different stories. He talks about a lost sheep that he's going to leave the 99 that, that are fine and that are safe. And he's going to go look for the one. And, and he's searching for the one. He's interested in the one. 
And then he tells another story about a lost coin and that you're searching for this lost coin. And in other words, this is what the kingdom of God is like. That God is searching for the lost people. God loves the lost people, so you can't hate them. We can disagree. We can have the courage of our convictions. But God, God loves everybody. And he's searching for the lost sheep. He's seeking them out. And then he tells another story about a family that has two sons. Sometimes we just think of the one son. But there's two sons in this story. So ready? You got your bedtime story mindset. Ready? Listen. Find yourself in the story. And he said there was a man that had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So in other words, Dad, I don't, I don't want to wait till you die. I want my inheritance now. Dad, I don't really want you but I want what you have. And this is the world that we live in, friends. God, I don't want to hear anything that you have to say, but I want to live my life in freedom. I want to take this body that I have, and I want to do whatever I want with it, and nobody can tell me anything. God, I don't want to hear what you have to say about my life, but I want it all. The world has never changed. And he divided the property between them, the two brothers. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, have I found anybody in the room yet? Like, no, 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 Pastor Brian, all of those people are outside the church. But can you remember a season in your life, maybe this was you. Do you want to admit it? We're in church, you shouldn't lie. I got my hand. Okay, come on, people. Don't leave me alone. Taking all, I'm just going to, we're going to reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in that country, so he began to be needy. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the paws that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. This is a story that we've either experienced, or we've heard, or we've seen, or we've watched on TV. But this is actually a story of humanity. And we're just going to go and do our own thing. We don't need anybody to tell us what to do. And then eventually that comes to an end. Ask every 65-year-old rocker. From the 80s bands that you love. And he was there and he's going to eat with the pigs. And it's like, maybe this is not a good idea. Verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So he's practicing his speech for the Father. He's thinking about something to say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And this is the way the kingdom of God is. And this is why we don't condemn people because of their sins. because the Father is waiting for them. Sin is bad. It will destroy your life. You shouldn't sin. But the Father is waiting for you if you have. If your life is a mess right now, if you've messed up, even if you've known better and your life is destroyed and you've destroyed your family and you've destroyed your finances and you've destroyed your body, the Father is waiting for you.
What is his deal? He came out and entreated him, but he answered him, Father, look, these many years I have served you, listen, and I never disobeyed your command. What is the sin of the older son? And what possibly is the sin for those of us who are church people? I never sinned, Father. What is that sin? That is called self-righteousness. And it's equally as evil, bad as wasting your life. And it's equally a sin. I never disobeyed your commands. Listen, yet you never gave me a young goat. I might celebrate with my friends, but when this son of yours, listen, what the potential sin for us could be. When this son of yours came and was devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. And it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost. There was no righteous brother. The father had to come to both of them. And we can look out at the sinners in the world and think, I would never do that. And you shouldn't do it. I agree. But be careful that you don't throw out the gospel. Because you and I need the gospel just as much as everyone does. My parents, who are in the 80s, pretty much don't live a sinful life. They don't, they don't get to throw away the gospel because they're good people. And because they pastored for 50 years, they need the gospel just like you and me. We all need the grace of God. God comes to us all. It's not that the good people are in and the bad people are out. It's the self-justifiers are out and the humble are in and the surrendered are in. And the ones that say, God, without you, I am nothing. Without you, Jesus, I have no hope church attendance record, my serving as a pastor, my tithing, it's no bearing on my righteousness. My righteousness comes from Christ alone, and this is our message. And this is the message that everything else comes from. Forgiveness, grace, and healing, and provision, and wisdom, all of it comes because God has provided it in Christ
away our know-it-allness. We throw away our own goodness. And we just receive your righteousness today. Hey, if you are here in the room today or you are watching online, if you have never said yes to Jesus today, the gospel, the good news message is that Jesus has died for all. He's made a relationship with God available for you regardless of your past, regardless of how good or not good you think you are. God makes provision for us. All you have to do is say yes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you're watching online, if you've never said yes to Jesus, this is just a starting point in our faith, a starting point in our discipleship with Christ. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and let pray this prayer out loud today. God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came and lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross. And you raised him from the dead. So I could know you. So I say yes to your righteousness today. I say yes to the gospel. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that did that today.